Hello, I'm Steph, and I've been involved with play-by-email games for about a year now, and I designed and ran God's Wars, which is an eight-week long-form play-by-email game. Hello, I'm Kyle. I've been involved with PBEM games for about a year and a half. I designed and ran Dust City, an eight-week long-form game, and I'm designing and will run Seasons, which is a four-week council slash secret identity game. And I'm Stu. I've been involved with PBEM games for about a year and a half. I designed and ran Afterlife, an eight-week long-form game. I was on the teams for both Dusk City and God's War, working under Steph and Kyle respectively. And I will be running Tempest, which is another uh, eight-week long-form game, later in 2022. And we are your control panel. This is a podcast that we've created to help players of all experience levels learn about how to play and run these types of games. And today we're excited to chat with you about what a play-by-email game actually is. So for people who are brand new to them, this episode will hopefully help you learn how they work and how to get involved. For those who have already played, today's episode will be a bit more of a review for you, but we will have content later in later episodes about NPCs, character bleed, and other topics. Right. So what is a play-by-email game? So I'm not going to define what a mega game is, but I'll just use a very short definition, uh, just that, yeah, it's a game with lots of people. A play-by-email game is quite different from the average one-day game, firstly in that most of them take place over multiple weeks. Um, we're going to focus a bit more on that form, but there are definitely going to be some experimentations with the form, longer and shorter versions. But this podcast, at least for now, is going to skew towards the sort of six-week, the eight-week sort of games and how those work. Um, so how do those get work? We're going to go through um, sort of step-by-step step what would happen if you were to join one of these games. So first of all, there'd be some kind of online sign-up sheet. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the right places to look to receive that, which would be Discord and the sort of Omega website. Uh, they would be following sign-up, a casting survey, where you'd answer questions about what sort of character you want to play. Possibly the, the uh, game designers may give characters and you can say which one you're interested in. You can say what kind of play you're into. For example, I really don't want to play anything that might put me into conflict with other players, or I really want to play a game that's heavy in investigation, that sort of thing. That you'd probably around this time also get information from the game runners, like a wiki, wiki or other documents about what the game is about. But that's not a guarantee. Uh, my game later this year probably will not do that because I'll be keeping things secret. And then there's the actual process of casting. Each game will do that a little bit differently. Some might do first come, first served, but we've kind of moved away from that towards a random draw because first come, first served is always going to give some people a massive advantage or disadvantage based purely on time zone. So whatever time zone, you know, it's the most social hour when the call goes out, those people are more likely to get cast. So that's one of the reasons we've kind of moved a little bit more to the um, random draw system because one of the great things about these games is how increasingly international they are. Like the online scene has bridged the gap between 
the US and UK make gaming scenes. And of course, there are other people like Kyle who don't live in the US or the UK. I think we should also talk about what does it mean to be cast. And typically what happens with these is the game designers will come up with different sorts of roles. So they won't necessarily name the player characters that are going to be a part of it or give a huge amount of detail, but they'll say some sort of general idea of what this type of character is life like and the differences or the information that you're going to get about the different roles that exist might be different based on the game. So in my game, Gods Wars, players were playing demigods. And so they got some information on what god was sponsoring them. We kept things like what powers they would have secret, but we told them that after they got to know which character they were going to play. And after they got that information, after they were told who they would get to play, they also got to do some customizing of that character a little bit. Things like their name and background and backstory, finding a picture of that character that was going to represent what they looked like and things like that. Some of these characters in some games, uh, like an afterlife, would have like secrets or extra bit of information given to them at this point in time. And once the backstory is agreed with control, because control should make sure, you know, you've got the right idea for the themes and the feel of the world, then it goes to the actual game, which for nearly all of these will be played at least in part through Discord and through emails. So Discord tends to be the kind of central hub for conversation. And at this point in time, most in-character communication is done through emails, but some games use a mix of emails and Discord. Some games might use Discord, and it's not happened yet, but there's talk about potentially doing everything on apps in the future. We'll talk a little bit more about apps in a little while. But most of these games are played across multiple weeks, and each week you can think of as a turn. There'll be a deadline, usually it's Friday, but again, individual games may differ, by which you have to choose what your character is going to do. There'll be some sort of way for you to submit an action. So you'll write what your character does. There'll be particular rules to the game. So you might, for example, be able to apply assets or resources that the character owns or, um, to improve your chances of getting what you want. Because while not all games will involve dice, a lot of them do. Some games might be a pure vote, so that's when the votes would be locked in, that sort of thing. And then after a period of time for the control team, the people running the game, to desperately roll dice, work out who won the votes, and write what happened. Usually that happens over the weekend. You find out what happened that turn and get straight back to emailing people and planning for the next turn over the following week. With most action submissions, uh, we use a custom app called Candy, which was made by the wonderful Scott. Although some games may just use Discord or we may use other systems in future as well. But in general, Candy is this really simple to use app, which just keeps everything in one place and just automates a lot of stuff for you. So you don't have to type in or remember all your assets that will be conveniently listed. It's a, it's a great resource. So, what is the, I guess, day-to-day -day process of this look like? So let's say you get, you know, you get cast, you've come up with your character, you've joined the Discord. What are you doing? I guess for the day-to-day, -day, when you start, it's really first checking the available information about the game. Typically with any play-by-email game or mega game, you'll have some kind of brief about the setting 
and about the concepts that are important and about the NPCs in it, it's really important to at least glance over that information to make sure that you're not stuck when you start out. That's really important because you do sometimes get players who, for one reason or another, can't or haven't yet engaged with this background information and it means that for the first couple of days they get very lost so i do recommend trying to get a little bit of the background information read trying to look on whatever wiki or information source has the characters because that also helps you figure out who you want to interact with both pcs and npcs probably about I'm just making up a number here, so let me know if you think I'm wrong. Like 90% of the time is going to be spent on actually emails. So writing emails to other player characters and non-player characters, answering your own emails, things like that. That's where sort of the, the I guess, meat or the bulk of the play-by-email game is, is actually happening, where you're interacting with the other characters in the world through email, and then you're using other resources like the wiki and things like that to help you understand, like, who are these characters you're interacting with? Where is it that you're interacting? What are sort of the rules of the world and interaction and stuff like that? Play by email games are played by email, as you may have guessed from the name. What? <laughs> yeah, so emails are the vast majority, but you also have your end of week action submissions. Typically, those will be informed by the nature, one, the nature of your emails, to the news of the week. Usually, I've, I've not seen a play-by-email that doesn't have it, but usually there will be a weekly newsletter or news release of, of some sort that comes out at the start of each round, which tells you some of the important things that have happened, some interesting events or outcomes of particular actions. And at the end of the week, you'll be writing up any number of actions using whatever resources you have available that you can or want to devote. So actions are going to be things that your character is doing that affect the world a little bit more strongly. So you can pretty much always talk to people that doesn't require an action. You can even like go and interact with the world in a more minor sense over email. Say you want to just go and like get coffee somewhere or go to the zoo and look at animals there. You don't need to spend an action on that. But if you want to say break animals out of the zoo, that's something that's going to affect the wider world in a little bit more strongly of a way. And so that's something that you would spend an action on. And so you would write up your action submission and say, you know, I'm taking Kyle to the zoo and we're going to break out all of the animals and then we're going to ride the elephants around London or something like that. Um, <laughs> that is not too far off from. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, it looks it's not. It's not too far off from something that happened in God's Wars. <laughs> yeah, there may or may not have been a zoo breakout, and there may or may not have been a non-player character riding an elephant. That was the octopus, wasn't it? There was indeed an octopus wearing a crown. It, it made sense in context, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So yeah, after then you uh, tell Control that this is what you want to do, um, they will then write up an action resolution for you. And 
partly this this will be resolved on rolling dice and so it's not just kind of like well Stu likes me so he gave me a good outcome but he doesn't like Kyle so she didn't get a good outcome right we want to avoid stuff like that so we'll kind of roll dice to see how well you do if you don't do well maybe there's a consequence like you know the police catch you trying to break animals out of the zoo and arrest you or something like that or you just get kicked out of the zoo or things go well and you get to ride the elephants around London. Or you can see the consequence, like the elephants, you know, they, they trample you. But, you know, you broke the mouse and that was all mattered, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. So what are your favourite parts of playing in play-by-email games? Hmm. Uh, I guess the interactions. Like, it's fun interacting with player characters and non-player characters. Just that role-play element. Yeah. I mean, fundamentally... While some of these games will sort of hew closer to board games, some closer to LARPs and role-playing games, there's always going to be like a strong element of role-play for these multiple-week games. Much more than I would say you get on average one-day mega game because, one, you've got a lot more time to get to know your character and other people and the world and settle into it. But I think also because you're playing over a turn as a week, so you're not really running around as much. Some people leave things to the last minute, but we're going to ignore them for the purpose of this example. But you're not running around as much. You've got time to kind of think and plan. Because for those of you who have played one-day mega games, sometimes, particularly towards the end of the day, your brain is just frazzled. Like, very basic thoughts are even more of a challenge than they are for me normally, uh, sometimes at the end of a sort of long mega game. But over the course of the weeks... You know, I have the advantage that I can have a sleep and have a think, and I can pretend to be actually intelligent. <laughs> I One of my favorite parts for me is just the community that has developed um, in the play-by-email games. So we mentioned before the Discord server, where a lot of kind of out-of-character chatter happens, and that has been really nice in allowing people to come together. God's Wars ended just about a little under two months ago, and people are still kind of organizing board games to play online on the server and things like that. I've I've made a lot of really good friends with people that I've been playing with and controlling with, and I think I I really enjoy that a lot. Like it's it's a lovely community, and I that's my favorite part. Yeah, I think again with Wonder Maker games, you'd normally sort of go out for a, a drink or a meal or just a general sort of hang post game with those who'd have to rush away. But again, with the multiple weeks, there's a lot more time to get to know people because. Yeah, you're always sort of available for that out-of-character chat and check-in. So I think maybe as a last thing, we can give some examples of the previous games that we ran and the themes, maybe a little bit lighter on on mechanics, but just sort of what they were like. Yeah, Stu, do you want to start and we can go in chronological order? Well, there were games before, before these three, but I think we probably won't talk about them because it's a bit weird to talk about someone else's game behind their back so to speak we can bring those um, we can bring those people on the podcast later and have them talk about their own games exactly and they will come up in discussion from time to time but uh, my game was afterlife which was a very weird existential nightmare set in as you may have guessed from the title the afterlife no. where players were 
<laughs> players were all dead, and basically the afterlife was not a great place and had been basically a dictatorship, but the dictator had disappeared under mysterious circumstances. So there was a lot of politics in the game, with players sort of forming political blocks trying to seize power, and this was an intentional design choice. It wasn't at the end of the game, but sort of roughly two-thirds of the way through that someone would actually take power. So it wasn't just a popularity contest. It was also meant to be also about the realities of, okay, you won the competition, no rule. But there was also, and I won't go into too much detail here, a lot of stuff going on the scenes. There was a big selling mystery for players to explore, which Kyle actually was probably the person who really led the charge on that. But actually, Seth also was pretty involved in the uncovering of the big secret plot lines that were going on in Afterlife. Yeah, I'll talk about what I ran next. So I ran Dust City, which was sort of vampires, but not conventional vampires. It, it was a game set in a city. There were vampiric politics, but you didn't fry as soon as you went into the sun, but you weren't super ultra powerful and you still needed to drink blood, but you could go without it. I'm not selling it very well. Basically, it was a vampire game, which was also a game about what it meant to be human and how important that was to you. Your bonds, your relationships with others versus your ambitions for power or uh, strength. Yeah, and I did God's Wars, which all of the players in the game were demigods, so often children of gods or related to them somehow, some, sometimes turned into a divine being by a god themselves. And players got to kind of interact both with the gods and also with Victorian London. So it was a little bit also of a dating sim as people attended sort of high society parties and interacted with the mortals who lived there and sort of by the end of the game got they were participating in a competition to see which of them would get to ascend to godhood themselves and kind of make that decision between you know do they want that power or do they want to you know choose love and stay behind with their mortal or demigod lovers and friends I think it's key important to briefly mention that these games are quite different tones. They all had their lighter moments and their darker moments, but God's Wars was kind of intentionally not as dark as a game about vampires, which probably won't surprise you listening, or a game where you're all already dead and then the afterlife. In fact, I think it was the first, <laughs> first of these games where players were not all technically dead. And one of them was. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Only one, not everyone. Next time they'll all be alive. <laughs> yeah. That may or may not be true, Kyle. But as I say, maybe if you're playing in a future mega game, you can be the lucky character who already is dead at the start of the game. <laughs> it was fun. I, I loved Emmett. Anything else that we want to mention about play-by-email games? They're so fun. You should sign up and join them as soon as you see. There's one that's, I think, accepting sign-ups. Oh, you know what? I can't say that. I don't know when this will come out. But... <laughs> Usually yeah. there will be signups for one or another around, or if not, there are also one day mega games, or if not, you know, there's a lot of really good play by post RPGs that you can 
play to while away the time until the next sign up period. And I'd say check Omega, both the website and the Discord, and they should have a calendar. So if there aren't signups going on right now, you can figure out when the next one is so you can find the signups. Because I agree with Kyle, these are incredibly fun. This has sort of been like my COVID hobby, but now I'm just like, I don't, I mean, not that I don't care when COVID ends, but I, I very much do. But either way, I'm still going to be doing this because it's amazing and incredibly fun. Well, thanks so much for listening. That was your control panel. Thank you.